Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seria Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. <laughs> Before we start our chat, we want you to head over to setiachronicles.com forward slash Patreon now and subscribe to the Chronicles to Fosi membership with a free seven-day trial. Get priority access to every episode and voice note before the rest of the world. Plus, no ads and bonus Patreon-only exclusive episodes and video episodes. Also, be sure to join the new chat community in the Patreon app and chat with fellow subscribers. We've finally done it, ragazzi. The champions of Europe are going to defend their title at Euro 2024. I can't say it was a pleasure watching it. And I'm going to uh, open with that question, actually, for Mina Rizuki, who's here with me, Nikki Bandini, as ever for Sarah Chronicles. Mina, you were just telling me off air that um, your neighbour very kindly started drilling at one in the morning. So I was curious to know whether that was a more or less pleasant experience than watching Italy and then nil nil draw with Ukraine. It was a better experience. <laughs> Waking <laughs> up to a drilling at 1am was better than those last three minutes in which I aged 10 years. I honestly oh, think like, right. oh, you know, so here's a question for you guys, because I'm sure, I wonder how many men actually listen to us in comparison to how many women do, yeah? But there is a there is a, a fund that women need to start at the age of maybe 45 or perhaps even younger um, to contribute to the way that they'll look like in the future, whether they need any Botox and stuff. <laughs> that fund has really needed to be seriously like injected with a lot going forward, because in my head, I'm like, I probably just look a little bit older. Um, than I did yesterday because of those last three minutes. Oh, Nikki, it's been a horrendous week. I mean, I was sick, obviously, which is why I missed that wonderful podcast that you had last week with Patrick Kendrick. Obviously, nothing more beautiful than his whole defense of Allegri. But more than that, <laughs> um, 
It was, it, it was that's just this- why you enjoyed it so much. I mean, it was like, oh, it's a great podcast. I love listening to it. And I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, she enjoyed it, even though she wasn't on it. Now I know why. It's just because he said nice things about Max Allegri. Okay. It really was very nice. There you go. There I was thinking I did a good job. <laughs> But you were also pretty sweet. Like you didn't push back, you know. Uh, and I really liked your points about purely you were sweet about him too. So I was like, yeah, yeah, like just screaming at it, you know. <laughs> we were on time constraints. Patrick had time constraints. So I knew I couldn't, you know, push back too hard or we wouldn't get out anywhere. So. Nikki, are you trying to say you would have pushed back? <laughs> I think we should have that conversation later, but I think we do need to talk about um, what happened because it's been, it's been a week, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, um, since we last checked in with everyone, of course, there's actually been two Euro qualifiers. The first of which was this 5-2 win against North Macedonia, which felt to me like this tremendous release. I mean, North Macedonia, who stopped us from going to the World Cup, and then we drew them again away from home in the group, and just this sort of bogey team we've got coming up. And to not just beat them, but to wallop them a bit. I know the second half got a bit more sort of hairy after they got back to 3-2, but it really felt like for a lot of that game, Italy were playing with a sort of I was going to say almost dismissive swagger that I think they should play with against a team like North Macedonia. And I'm sorry that that's going to sound super disrespectful to a team that's stopped Italy from winning twice. But when Federico Chiesa scores that second goal and he just swaggers off, you're like, yes, it's Italy. You're supposed to be beating teams and acting like this and behaving like we're a good team that can do yep. this with our European champions. And, and so it felt like there was some of that came back. But then... For 90 minutes in Leverkusen against Ukraine, it was just back to, oh no, this is how qualifying campaigns end. Because Mina, two World Cup cycles ago, two games against Sweden, can't score a sodding goal. Last World Cup cycle, North Macedonia can't score a sodding goal with with a million shots in that game. And this game, look, I've had some neutrals tell me they really enjoyed this game, that it was a fun nil-nil. But as an Italian watching it, just can we once score a goal in a game that's do or die? Can we just once do that and make our lives a bit easier? And and the answer, in fact, on this occasion was once again, no. No, absolutely. And and I genuinely felt that after watching that performance against Macedonia, I, I, I completely... Listen, it was weird because I was a bit split watching that because firstly, I was like in in a slumber. So I was half lucid, half not. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, like Damien gets a goal and it's like his... And I was thinking... No, no. First, it was Jorginho missing the penalty. <laughs> and I just remember, all I remember doing really badly is I threw my my remote control at the TV. <laughs> it hit the TV and the whole thing shot down. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I was like, I, which was firstly really annoying because firstly, I was really scared that I broke my TV. And secondly, I had to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like sick. I'm barely like so alive at this point. <laughs> yes. And then I'm just thinking like, I'm sorry, but what, on what planet are we more concerned with the psychology of a player than we are with actually qualifying at this point? Because, <laughs> oh, you know, Jorginho is such a good guy and we don't want to hurt his feelings. And he is, and I'm sure he's lovely. And everyone keeps saying he has a family. I get it. I'm not trying to tell you the guy is a horrible <laughs> man. But at this point, I would really not, I, I just feel like the team needs to come above, you know, and it's four in a row. And they're saying if there's another <laughs> penalty, he'll go for it. And I'm like, no, no. And that's just, oh my God, no. You know, and 
And then my friend messaged me saying, well, if it's not Georgina, who is it? I'm like, Donnarumma at this point is somebody I'd accept, <laughs> you know, like... It's just it's just madness. So I had to get out of bed and then switch the TV back on. And luckily there was a goal straight away. So I didn't have enough time to mourn all of it, you know. But uh, yes, back to that. I mean, <laughs> Jorginho, I have a, you know, you're an Arsenal fan. And I don't know what you, like, we should probably ask you about him. What do, what do you make of his performances? I've been Jorginho defender number one in the past. I remember in the Euros, um, even in the years that we won, um, him taking some criticism, me defending him. I remember defending him when he was at Chelsea. I think he's a sometimes misunderstood penalty, uh, misunderstood player. I've got penalties on the brain now, but good God, you are right. There's no more penalties for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> go, go do something else. No. You're not allowed to take penalties anymore. And, and I don't think for me that he's part of my best midfield three for Italy anymore. I, I understand why Spalletti wants him there. I think Spalletti is looking for his Lobotka, isn't he? He's looking for the player who can organise play and 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 do that for him. And I I don't know. I, I was thinking a lot about Italy's midfield watching these two games because I thought that together with Chiesa, who we definitely have to talk about, um, I thought that Barella was probably the next best player in that game against Ukraine. I thought he was really excellent, although Di Marco was also brilliant. Um, and I think that when I when I conceive the future Italy in my head that I that makes me excited, that makes me think, yes, okay, we, we can get back to being um a really special team again. It's built on this idea that actually we we have got a genuinely, at least with the potential to be a world-class forward winger in Federico Chiesa. And I think we have the potential to eventually have a world-class midfield because Barella is in that category for me. And Tonali, who of course we're not going to see for a while, is in that category for me. And perhaps the the alternate options of Locatelli and Cristante uh, are really high class, class options to me. So I think there is this sort of nucleus that I'm excited about and Jorginho is not part of it. Now, having said that, Cristante is still sometimes prone to these decisions that frustrate me, such as wafting a leg at Mudrick in the area in the 93rd minute. And mm. look, I tell you, I still sometimes think, are you really at a G-star or Metzala? And, and that sort of dynamic is is interesting. Um, so I don't know that I actually have the perfect composition of the midfield in my head. And I do see why Jorginho gives you something different. But I, I don't have faith in him to the level that I would like to for someone doing that job. Yeah, it's his performance against Macedonia was was a lot better than obviously this performance against Ukraine, um, even with the missed penalty. It's I look at the midfield and I think that it's such a shame that there's no Tonali because I just feel yeah. how much he would have elevated it. Um, what about Fratesi? Because mm. yesterday, I mean... Fratesi is a player that's really like ever since he's gone to Inter, I feel like he's even taken a step further. Like he's 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 the guy. Like he's he's been excellent to watch for Italy. Mm-hmm. Yesterday he Which had that brilliant chance. Like one game for Inter. Like he's almost always been off the bench for them in Serie A. And yet, even when he's an Inter and they're like about to introduce him, you know, and in, in like uh, into their games, I'm always like, oh, Fratesi is coming on. Like it's going to be something special. Like he has that power to make you think that it's going to be something special. You know. Um, you know what was really annoying? Sorry, just going back to Jorginho with the people who were defending why he wasn't scoring these goals. And, you know, somebody said, oh, well, it's a lottery. Like, oh, his agent. I mean, it's a lottery, right? Like you can't, I mean, more and more as football progresses. 
as football really progresses, it's going to be harder and harder to score goals. And I'm like, maybe you should tell that to Chalanoglu, who hasn't missed a penalty, you know, like, yeah. as in, come on, like, you can't defend that way. You could just, just stop skipping. <laughs> you know, we're not on the play field. Like, just playground. Like, do just stop skipping. Anyway, never mind. Um, but point is, is, well, maybe he could just have a chat with Chalanoglu and figure out how on earth that guy always scores his penalties. But Tonali, Locatelli, Fratesi... Barella, who is just the midfielder of all midfielders. Um, how many of them? Like, I would have liked a sort of a Fagioli, but like a somebody who's a little bit more pro- experienced than a Fagioli, but that kind of style of play, you know, would have been really useful as well. Um, but it is what it is. And I, and I don't know. I don't look at this midfield and think I feel safe. I'll be honest with you. I don't. But I actually have a lot more optimism, optimism when it comes to the back line. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I think what gives me a lot of optimism right now, Mina, and, 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 this is definitely a thing I wanted to get onto with you is uh, there's actually lots of positions now, quite interesting depth, which there hasn't always been as well. And I, I think what was really sort of fascinating between these two games was to some extent watching Spalletti do horses for courses, right? Picking a different team that was you know, a subtly different team for, for the two games. And of course, some pieces are unmovable, right? You want, you want Federico Chiesa in that team, you want Barella in that team. Some things are not going to change, but players like Bonaventura and Berardi, I think Bonaventura, who I love to bits and who has been playing absolutely fantastically this season. I don't think any of us believe he should be in the starting 11 for your games against the very best teams. But what you can do when you've got two games close together is say, yes, he's he's going to do an excellent job for you against North Macedonia. And he did. He was great in that game. And likewise, um, you've got options up front now and you've got the option to, to start Berardi against um, North Macedonia. And with him, I think it's a different conversation because I, I do think he's at least capable of playing against anyone. We've seen it in Serie A. He scored some brilliant goals in in Sassuolo's biggest games this season. But perhaps taking Zaniolo into that Ukraine game where you're saying, well, I want someone a bit more physical. I want someone who can, can lean into that part of the game who's going to get into a battle and get stuck in. And Actually, Zaniolo, I thought, had quite a good game against Ukraine as well. So I think it's it's really sort of exciting seeing some of that depth at certain positions. And look, we need to keep coming back to when it comes to team selection and 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 where the, the national team is. Spalletti was brought in in August. He had a, a qualifying campaign that was already compromised and he was sort of putting it in the middle of it and said, you know, do something with this. And so when he said at the end of the game um, against Ukraine, the fun starts here, basically. I, I believe him. And I think North Macedonia was him having the fun. It was him saying, this is what this team's capable of. We can play attacking football. We can be open. And maybe it was too open, but but we want to play like this eventually. And Ukraine was trying to be a bit more responsible. Although, look, they did still create good chances in this game. Fratesi, Chiesa in the first half, if one of them could just keep their head and stick the ball in the net, then this would have been a far more serene game. 
but I don't know why it is, Mina. For some reason in these do or die games at the moment, we haven't been able to do it. Two shots on target in the first half, two shots on target throughout because we didn't we didn't add anything in the second half. I mean, just to lay it out, let, like, let's just... So there was a game against Macedonia. You know, it was mm-hmm. a thrilling performance from from in every way because attitude matters. Um, and I think that's what's always been the defining aspect of Italy is that they don't always necessarily play the greatest of games going back historically or give the best of performances, but they've always been intelligent, mature, and and always shown the best of themselves and when it matters. And I and and we've seen that throughout their history. The thing that has always brought us back is that we've always been a team where our average age is 28 and plus. And I think that that has added to the fact that we play these games with a level of maturity or cunning behavior or whatever it is that other stereotypes have been added to it. But I've always liked it in the sense that I feel safe. I feel safe that if we are 2-0 up, that we can probably win that game. I don't necessarily have that feeling. I don't blame that on Spalletti because I think there are just so many mitigating circumstances right now. We, do, we don't have a full team. People keep going in and out, um, whether it's, you know, Tonali and Fagioli out or whatever it is. But I don't, I don't like watching teams where there is a possibility that North Macedonia can get two goals. That is one thing where we don't have control of the midfield like we showed yesterday against Ukraine in the beginning, where it just seemed to be so much chaos. And in chaos, you'll always have people that shine. I mean, Chiesa will always shine when he's able to tear through because that's what he does so well. And I think that's what Zaniolo does so well. Um, there will be matches, and I, I agree with you, courses, you know, um, horses for courses. There's going to be games in which I think Berardi's individual quality to just sometimes score one of the most beautiful goals will be important because I think he's really capable of that. Um, but essentially, I worry of, of our inability to really see games out, our inability to rise above the pressure. I mean, we can say, oh, well, we did it against North Macedonia. I understand that North Macedonia now look like they are Germany, but they, it's still North Macedonia. Like it shouldn't have, like it, it's still not, like we should be able to do that. You know, Ukraine is a higher level than North Macedonia. And it worries me how easy it was for them to counterattack in the first half. When it's like the first thing we talked about in the press conferences, we have to be careful on the transitions. And we were not careful in the transitions. And I do... I do want to maybe give people like Colpani a chance. I'd like Calafiori to be given a chance at the bank. I'd like um, sort of different, and I'm sure Spalletti, he doesn't have time, right? Because he's had so little time to prepare this. And I don't know how many people we're going to call up to arrange this, but. Well, there there were some players that I think, you know, one of the players I wanted to talk about, I mean, and get your opinion on, I mean, obviously Federico Gatti, we've been watching um, events this season has been playing well, but actually sort of the, the the perhaps bolder inclusion is for that second game against um Ukraine, starting Alessandro Bongiorno um at centre back and and yeah. someone who's played a total of, of one game for Italy before. And he picked up a booking really early. And I was thinking, oh God, this is this is a disaster. You've got a 24-year-old playing his second game for Italy who's got a booking already. And actually I thought he played a, a pretty good game after that. And he's playing for for a Torino team that that have produced some very good defenders recently, obviously, Brema snapped up by Juventus. Mm. Um, and I, I I feel more optimistic about the talent level than I have in a while, personally. I think, of course, it's not Chiellini and Bonucci. This was um, a conversation that was sort of 
um, I was asked about this on, on the BBC World Service yesterday and they were talking about how has it got to this point where Italy have failed to qualify for two of the last three major tournaments and they might miss out on this one. And I was sort of talking about this sort of part of that is linked to individual stories, right? I, I think that even though there's a big picture of disappointing results, you still have to put, look at the Ventura era as the Ventura era, because you had a manager who was sort of historically unpopular, who had players openly questioning his decision in the middle of games, they're also refusing to come on, things like that. It's, it's its own story to some extent. But without question, there's an overarching narrative, which is talent has been missing in lots of parts of the pitch. When you look at England, and I'm only saying England because we we both currently live in England, and you've got Jude Bellingham, and you've got Phil Foden, and you've got this sort of depth of young talent. Italy doesn't have that right now, so that that's a, yeah. a, a gap that's been there. But I think looking at this squad, looking at players like Buongiorno getting their chances, looking at the midfield that we've already talked about, looking at Di Marco, who's come on so many leaps and bounds in the last few years at, at, at Inter, I. I honestly feel more optimistic about the talent there than I have in years. I mean, do you agree with me, Mina, or do you think I'm just way off base on that? No, I think that it helps that Inter has become a force in Europe. I think it helps that Di Marco was fascinating to watch before, but going to Inter and then navigating his way through really tricky matches. And as a player who is, who's got a very strong attitude, he's, he's a very typical Italian player. He's probably one of the few that I can honestly say that he's a leader straight away. And, and I think that he's a throwback to like, you know, the yesteryears of like De Rossi and that kind of player, but having the ability to I mean, he he used to make mistakes. People were not sure about Di Marco, right? There was a lot, lots of question marks about his mm. defending. There was, you know, but playing Champions League finals, playing with this attitude at Inter right now where they are just so undefeated, they feel um, strong, has, has elevated him. It's elevated Barrella. It's elevated Bastoni. And I think that it is that level of competition. Whereas almost... Juventus potentially are holding back Chiesa. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know. This is the other question because they're here as playing as a winger by far. I mean, Gazetta called him by far the best player yesterday. Tuto Sport was up in arms with how brilliant he was. He clearly is a very, very special winger. And yet, I don't know how much he has actually developed in this role. You know, so I I don't know whether, you know, it would be important to sort of seeing him back with Juventus need to be back to navigate the very higher echelons in the high echelons of football, you know, taking on like semifinals and that because it helps with with the with the performance of these players. And I think there's just not enough. Like, I think Bonjourno is excellent. It is Ukraine. How is he going to do if it's, you know, if it's their better, better attackers? But you just alluded to Bastoni, who would be there who would be there if he was fit. And that, that you know, that's also or part Scaldini. of the picture of these games. There were some, there were some, there were some absences for these games as well. Yeah, but I do worry. In, and I, I think that defensively, I think there's a lot of names. Like, honestly, I, I think there are a lot of names. I'm telling you that I want Calafiori. He's playing for the Azzurini, but I think that mm-hmm. he is a really special player. I really, really like him. Like I'd love him to join Juventus in all honesty. Um, but in general, like I just, there are a lot of defenders. So it makes me feel better because I only care about defense. Um, but in terms of, of, I, I would like sort of midfielders 
I, I'm I'm unsure about how the attack is going to go. Is it Scamacca? Is it Immobile? Who is you know? Is it Raspadori? This these are, there are so many question marks. How are we going to play? Are we trying? It's very front footed. That it makes me very nervous defensively. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Mike. We were one nil up against England. Our old, if this was Antonio Conte, would have buried down the hatches and just defended for the rest of the time and probably walked away with the win, right? But we were so attacking and we were testing it out. And if we had gotten that win in against England, that we wouldn't have needed to worry about this game, you know? So I keep thinking about that and I don't know what the right strategy is for Italy. I do want us to be more attacking, but it makes me very nervous because of how open we are in midfield. It's not the defenders that I don't think are good enough. I just think the midfield does not capable enough of taking the the team by the scruff of the neck for me the attack is is the big thing the, the attack is is and, and that's almost like an interesting question you know like you've just sort of put into my head it's like is it does it make any sense to play in such an attacking way if you haven't got the attackers to to take the chances because actually even as you were talking I was just sort of checking uh, quickly the the numbers from that England Italy game and you know Italy had way more shots than England in that game um but if you're yes, not ruthless precise, with your yes. chances then then then, 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 does it matter? And to answer your question, from what I think the answer is so far, I I think that Raspadori is the first um, option now at, at centre forward. I think that Spalletti's connection with him is going to make that the case. I think the fact that we've done so many rounds now with Immobile and Bellotti means it's got to be the new faces. And to me, the point in that game against Ukraine when Italy looked least convincing was unfortunately after Skamaka came on. And I think he has a role, Skamaka. I think he's going to be your plan B because he's got the physicality, because he's got the size. But when we're talking about quality we see all over the pitch, when we're talking about things we're excited about in defence, in midfield, I struggle up front. I like Raspadori. I think he's he's a, a good footballer, but I don't think he's necessarily the player who I would want to be my first choice, number nine. I just don't see a better option. Um, And I think he fits the style of football that Spalletti wants to play. So I think he'll be the option. That certainly leads to questions about, should you be playing so front-footed if you're not going to be ruthless and take the chances when you get them, if you're not going to be as sharp in the final third? But some of these, again, I, I think the football being played now is not the football that's going to be played next summer because you will have had several more chances to train together to to try and install, even though national team managers never have as much time as they want, you'll have had more time to try to to install like systems that are yours, that you feel like the players understand and that they're going to benefit from and, and make the most of. Whereas without wanting to be a, a, a sort of broken clock on this one, um, this is a very, very limited window from August to November that Spalletti has had to make this team his own. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, do, I go back to this. They're not the most efficient of attackers. So if they're not, mm. then can we play the way that we're playing right now? So that is, I think, the main question mark. And this is why it worries me that I do think it's a bit kamikaze um, in the sense that, you know, let's go forward. Let's try to get lots of shots on goal, which we did against England. It was brilliant to watch. I had a lot of faith in us after watching us in England, to be mm. honest, even like, especially in the first half. Then it became a disaster defensively. But it is that there are going to be really sh- like a lot of shots, but not necessarily a lot of goals scored, and that's what worries me. Like when you see the level of of goals scored, it's not. 
and and this is what I like about Spalletti. He's interested in having friendlies that will be against tougher opposition. And I think it will answer a lot of his questions that he has about the squad. You know, he wants to arrange friendlies against France, against Germany, against, to ensure that we can actually test it out against the bigger teams and see how Italy performs. I don't think that this is an Italian side that has the mentality of, you know, of rising above anything or calm enough to sort of suppress any pressure. Uh, you saw that because it was a lot of suffering at the end, you know, um, and I'm, I'm glad that we managed to close it out. But I think we should talk about the penalty. Like, uh, yeah, I just have been talking for 25 minutes and we haven't yeah. even talked about it. We're so fixated, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, Mina? Should they have even qualified at this point? <laughs> for me, it's a clear penalty. It's absolutely a penalty. I mean, as we've established firmly from watching Jorginho, penalties can be missed. So them getting a penalty would not have guaranteed that they scored it. Sure. Um, and actually sort of small subplot to the game and and perhaps the story of everything else. I actually thought Donnarumma was for 95% of this game very good. He made he made a couple of very good saves. There was one moment when he got lost on a throw-in late in the game, which caused me absolute palpitations. But he recovered from it and made a great save at the back post to, to make up for it. I, I think with Nonaruma, that stuff still worries me. Like his um, his ushite, like how he comes out. That's that's the part of his game that that, that bothers me the most. But um, but mm. but he had a good game when he needed to, and I think especially with all the Vicario chat, that's good to see. Um, but um, yeah, to finally talk about it, to me, it was a penalty. I think Cristante. I like. Again, I'm going to stick with these percentages. I think I like 95% of Cristante's game, but sometimes I think he makes fouls that he just doesn't need to. And and I think that he um, he left his foot out there when he didn't have to. I think Modric is looking for it. It's the 93rd minute of a of a game that Ukraine have to win. Of course, Modric is looking for that opportunity. I think he he sees that opportunity and he and he takes it. But I I still think that Cristante sweeps his leg. There's clearly no contact with the ball, and. For me, that's a penalty. What I would say is that once the referee hasn't given the penalty, I do understand and perhaps think that this is something that is too often done wrong with VAR. We wanted VAR to give us clear and obvious errors. And the fact that there's a discussion around this penalty means that probably it's not clear and obvious. So I think it would have been fair for VAR to not intervene if it was given as a penalty and fair for VAR to not intervene if it's not given as a penalty. And in this case, the referee on the pitch did not give it. But looking at it myself, I think it's a penalty. I mean, to me, it's a clear penalty. I'm, I'm going to be really honest. If this happened and it was Chiesa who fell, I would have lost yeah. my mind. So if if it's Italy that didn't qualify based on that, I would have lost my mind. So... Maybe because I'm looking at it in in their shoes, and in, and I'm and I thought that the coach spoke so well um, in this. He says, "I, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was, a, yeah." Rebrov spoke so well about it, and he said, "You know, like I thought it was a penalty, but clearly VAR didn't, and he just left it at that." You know, mm -hmm. in fact, Ukraine's behavior throughout it was just it was wonderful. To be honest with you, I just thought it was such a nice game in the sense that the there was a, a genuine like respect between these two sides and and we hope that we can see Ukraine in the Euros and, and succeed in the playoffs, obviously. But Modric was very good. I mean, he caused a lot of problems. One thing that is, I agree with you, is that he does have that to his game. Like there's a lot of mm -hmm. sort of falling around a lot. <laughs> um, and as noted by a lot of the papers, it sort of 
ends up playing with the referee's mind because now he's just sees him as a diver and 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 that is you know it conditions you to how you're then proceeding forward i don't care you know there's a lot of a lot of players who are divers uh, and i'll be honest with you mauro camarenese was brilliant at it del piero was brilliant at it like as in sometimes you fall and and i just remember like conte totally Harry Kane's one of the worst divers out there and he's also one of the best strikers in the world two things can be true <laughs> Two things can be true. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of want them to sometimes fall. Do you know what I mean? If it, I, yeah. I don't mind this cunning edge, you know, like as in I, Thierry Henry is going to do what he's going to do to make sure France get qualified. And, you know, and I don't necessarily like love the way that some of it is done, but I, I'm just interested in getting my country across. So I understand the desire to do that for your country. So, yeah, Cristante. Yes, I'm sorry. It was careless. It was reckless. You can look at it. The, the one thing that I think, the one thing is, is that Mudrik falls too quickly. It's almost like he saw it coming and it did come, but you you anticipated it too quickly. And the fall was so exaggerated that it somewhat has changed the mind of the of the referee who already thinks of you as being a specific way or a specific type of play. And that's probably the only thing. But facts are facts. And, and you know, at the end of the day, there is contact. And whether or not people are like, yeah, but contact doesn't mean anything. It does mean something. So I I think that either way, when you think of a, about Seferin coming out and saying stuff like, it would be a disaster if Italy don't qualify, we are the biggest conspiracy theories, theorists in Europe, you know? Like, uh-huh. I mean, hands down, if someone had gone in and the president of UEFA had said, it would be a disaster if Ukraine don't qualify, and then Chiesa gets fouled and that doesn't go through, you better believe that I'm going to be like, what's going on at the top of UEFA? You know, like, is this because of Agnelli and your relationship? I would have gone everywhere with this because I am a conspiracy theorist and most of Italy is. And I do appreciate that a lot of people on TV had spoken about the fact that if it was us, we would have been really upset. But uh-huh. I can also understand and I completely agree with you why VAR didn't see it as necessarily having to interject because it is a really a clear and obvious error. So that I understand. I actually think you made a really great point there, Mina, that perhaps didn't get talked about. And I said right at the beginning about some friends who are neutral saying it was a great game to watch. And I'm like, not for us. Um, but what I do think <laughs> actually compared to so many games I've seen in these sorts of circumstances where it is um, such high stakes and you just touched on it, it was not a game of gamesmanship. It was not a game of like horrendous time wasting. It was not a game of all of that sort of stuff you might expect to see in that circumstance. It was, it felt like an honest game of football and yeah, it, it, it felt like that. And I think sort of building on that, I think I also want to say also, of course, Italy should have qualified more easily than they did. Italy made life harder for themselves all sorts of ways through this qualifying campaign. But Ukraine are a good team and belong at the Euros as well, I think. And I think that to expect Italy to sort of go there and blow them away like they did North Macedonia at home is is perhaps was always a bit fanciful. And and I think Ukraine, um, well, I mean, they already drew with England in this group as well, that they're a team that they would not go to the Euros as favourites, but if they went to the Euros would be a, a tough game for for most teams. Become a member at patreon.com forward slash Serie Chronicles for regular bonus episodes and content. Sports Social Podcast Network.